Welcome to Film Companion. I'm Anupama Chopra and here are this week's reviews. Director, writer, producer, actor Taika Waititi is a singular sensation. In 2017, he directed Thor Ragnarok and inserted mischief into the MCU. Does he strike gold again with its sequel Thor Love and Thunder? Let's find out. YTT's superpower as a storyteller is his ability to combine sweetness and sincerity with melancholy and absurdist humor which humanizes the characters. As Taika tells it, superheroes are just like us, fumbling and struggling. You remember that scene in Thor Ragnarok in which Thor and the Hulk first fight and then they sit side by side, talk about their emotions and make up. How many superhero films have we seen that in? Even when YTT makes a film about the Nazis, Jojo Rabbit, he finds a way to give it heart and joy. He's like a conductor blending different tonalities into one satisfying symphony. Look, this is a tough act for any artist and the MCU just puts more burden on it. These films by design include a sea of stars, massive budgets and CGI battles. The narrative has to reference older films and seed future installments. In Thor Ragnarok, YTT delivered on all fronts, but he didn't compromise on his distinctive voice. Thor Love and Thunder has that trademark eccentricity, but the film seems to buckle under too many shifting moods. The script has been written by YTT and Jennifer Caton Robinson. Thor Love and Thunder has bursts of momentum, but sadly, it never soars. The best part of Thor Love and Thunder is the return of Natalie Portman as Dr. Jane Foster, Thor's first love, the one that got away. Jane was last seen in Avengers Endgame in 2019. In this film, she fulfills her destiny by transforming into the mighty Thor. Not only is she a superhero, which is amazing, but she's also wielding Thor's ex-weapon, the hammer Mjolnir, which is of course very confusing for Thor. In the years since they last met, Thor has successfully hardened his heart and pushed away anyone who's come too close. He fills the sadness within him with battles. As Peter Quill of the Guardians of the Galaxy tells him, after thousands of years, you don't know who you are. The return of Jane provides Thor with the opportunity to find out. The film gets its emotional weight from their romance. Chris Hemsworth and Portman are just lovely together. There's this awkward sweetness in their interactions. But the sparkle is lined with ache because of course it can't last. Among the many things that threatens them is a villain named Gore the God Butcher. That name explains the rest of the plot. Gore wants to kill all the gods and render them extinct. Michael J for Hope for the Warriors. Started back in 06 at Camp Lejeune. Military families witnessing the effects of war on their loved ones. Now, almost 20 years later, they've aided over 53,000 service members, veterans, and families with confidential, high-quality behavioral health care services at little or no cost. To post 9-11 vets and their families, over 91% of every dollar donated goes directly to the programs. If you're as concerned about our heroes as I am, go to hopeforthewarriors.org. Now Thor, teaming up with Mighty Thor, Valkyrie and rock warrior Korg must make sure that he doesn't succeed. Korg, voiced by YTT, also doubles up as narrator. His precise manner and New Zealand accent will make you smile. You might remember from Thor Ragnarok that this is the guy who tried to start a revolution but failed because he didn't print enough pamphlets. Gore, played by Christian Bale, is a solid villain. His fury is rooted in personal tragedy. 
He's hell-bent on destruction not because he seeks power, but because he seeks some relief from his pain. Gore feels like Voldemort ka mele mein bichra hua bhai, but the film doesn't give him enough memorable lines or moments. He's just underexploited. So is Valkyrie, played by a smashing Tessa Thompson, the bisexual, tough-talking, hard-drinking warrior who's struggling with her own wounds, is now the mayor of the new Asgard, and yet we don't see her do enough. The larger problem plaguing Thor Love and Thunder is that the many moving parts don't become an organic whole. The visuals are more inventive than the story, which lurches from desperately tragic themes to jokes which don't land. Like these giant bleating goats which pull Thor's Viking ship. Or the love triangle between Thor's hammer and his current weapon, the axe called Stormbreaker. Somewhere in the middle of all of this, Russell Crowe turns up as a heavily accented Zeus. But even Zeus's vanity and petulance doesn't deliver enough laughs, though it does give Waititi an opportunity to present his leading man naked. Of course, we don't get to see it, but Chris Hemsworth unclothed is never a bad idea. We're told that Thor and his warriors fight the good fight for those who can't fight good, which sounds like something Derek Zoolander would say. But soon enough, the various CGI battles blur into each other. What stays is the poignant ending. Thor comes to understand that it is indeed better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. In an interview, Waititi described Thor Love and Thunder as the craziest film I've ever done. He said, if you wrote down all the elements of this film, it shouldn't make sense. Actually, it doesn't. Yes, because I love Taika Waititi's sensibility and his take on the world, but I would add, it's not Thor Ragnarok. Thank you for listening to the Film Companion Podcast. Stay tuned for more reviews, interviews and all that's hot and happening in pop culture and entertainment.